Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. All right, this is Alan Blaine, and I am fired up to interview our special guest today, Rob Sperry. Rob Sperry has been recognized by a top publication, Business for Home, as the number one trainer for 2017 in the network marketing industry. In his first year in the industry, he reached the highest level in a multi-billion, that's billion with a B, dollar company, conquering new heights. Sperry became the co-creator of Mint. Mint was a spinoff from a $3 billion company in total sales and launched with a million dollars in sales in just the first month. After the success of Mint, Sperry was instrumental in bringing two top companies together, thus creating one of the largest mergers in the network marketing industry. Due to his expertise, he has been featured in national and international books, podcasts, blogs, articles, and magazines specific to finding success in network marketing. Rob has spoken in 18 countries in the last few years and is a 10 times author. His podcast has been listened to by 130 countries. He now spends his time traveling the world, speaking, training, writing books, and hosting some of the most prestigious mastermind retreats in the network marketing profession, which I might add, Nicole and I are still trying to get to one of those with you, Rob. But Rob, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. You ready for this? I'm ready for it. Thanks for having me. This is a, just a great theme in general, so I'm excited. Absolutely excited to have you on here. Well, I've gave our listeners just a kind of high-level overview of who you are, but could you just expand on that and share a little more of your story? Yeah, for sure. So prior to the network marketing profession, I live here in Utah. If you haven't been approached by at least five or six different companies, then you don't have friends because... There are so many. And so I always kind of just thought I have no interest in that. I was a tennis guy, played tennis, traveling all around the country, played college tennis. Then after that, taught tennis, ran a tennis club, tennis, tennis, tennis. And long story short, one of the people that I taught tennis to, his kids, he had made over $30 million in network marketing, completely retired, so retired, even show up to his own conventions. And he was the one that said, hey, look, I'm coming out of retirement. And he was someone I trusted. He was someone I respected. And so I said, you know what? I'm willing to take a look at it. And so I did. And that's the short version, right, of it. And of course, you know, many of you heard a lot of those successes, you know, Alan just went through. It sound like my mom wrote that bio. But through that, I mean, there's not even enough time to go through the amount of failures and setbacks. And is this thing ever going to work? And I've arrived and then crap, I got to start all over again. I was taught early on in my career, it's called the bridge of tears. And everybody has to go through that bridge of tears unless they get luckier. They're in that insane momentum time. It's not about network marketing for all of you tuning in, whether you're in network marketing or not. It's just a success principle. Everything worthwhile is always harder than you think it's going to be. That's a success principle. No one's ever accomplished anything great. Say, oh my goodness, that was so much easier than I thought, right? Can you imagine Michael Jordan? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was going to be hard, but you know, that was definitely easier than I thought, or someone climbing Mount Everest, you know, I knew it was going to be hard, but that was easier. It's just not a reality. And so that always just really gave me a lot of perspective on accomplishing hard things and, and going through it, you know, whether it was personal life of things that we all go through or, or business. Such a great point you bring out there. Nothing of value is ever easy. At least it hasn't been in my experience. It doesn't sound like it has been in yours either. I love when we were talking earlier before we started recording how you're giving up speaking gigs that people are offering to pay you 30K for an hour because family is a priority and you don't want to miss your son's tennis match. I think you said you coach your son who's a senior in high school. Is that correct? Yeah. So I have four kids, nine-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old, and... I have an 18-year-old and senior and sophomores, the two olders, and I coach both their high school tennis teams. So that was always a goal of mine. It's six months of the year. It's 25 hours a week. I mean, I'll be leaving today from 1.30 and get back at 7 p.m. But my mantra, I had this mantra without having these words for most of my life. And then I just saw it. And I've never seen credit for who gave the quote, but it's die with memories, not with dreams. And so for me, die with memories, not with dreams has really been something that I live by. 
And so I try to, of course, you know, there's exceptions and random things that come up during a season, but as much as I can, I purposely did my leader's mastermind that I did in Bora Bora. It was purposely finished two, three days before the tennis season started. My next mastermind, Monte Carlo in June, it is about three weeks after the tennis season ends. My event that starts tomorrow is purposely in Salt Lake City and over the weekend so that I can miss as little as possible. And so as much as I can, I try to design things around what I wanted because so many people get addicted to the grind to the point of they say they're doing it, for example, let's say for your family. And in the end, it's always more and more and more and more to the point of they actually lose their family, lose the thing that they said that they were building their dreams, their business, their empire for. And so, you know, it's always just a reality check for me of, trying to just come back to, you know, what's the purpose? There's always more out there, right? Right. To, to just make those evaluations. I love that. And I respect that so much. And we definitely have that in common. In fact, that is one of the big reasons that drove me into this industry, Rob, was not only making an impact and having a career that I felt was purposeful and meaningful and that I could live a life doing things that would outlive my life, but ultimately so that I could be present and be there for my now wife of 30 years and our six children and all that. But I'd love that. I just want to say I admire that. I respect that. I appreciate it very, very much. I brought that up, one, because I appreciate you being such a family man, and two, because I want our listeners to know the level of success that you're playing at, the kind of impact and kind of value that you're giving to the world around and this industry specifically, that someone's willing to pay you that kind of money for an hour of your time on stage what would you say if I asked you has been one of the keys to your success? How would you respond to that? I mean, there's so many different things that go through having success, but I actually think the most important thing is having a really, really clear vision. Now, don't freak out or panic if it's not clear. Try to figure out how you can make it clear, whether that's personal development, whether that's asking yourself more questions, whether that's more mentorship. It could be different mentors for different areas of your life. In fact, it should be. Whether it's creating affirmation statements, dream boards, all of those things help. And so when you look at it, it doesn't matter how good you think you are at discipline. If you don't have a clear vision, you can't out-discipline a bad vision. It's absolutely impossible. I feel like I'm an extremely disciplined person. But the seed or the root of the discipline comes from the vision. And the vision comes from a lot of different things, but one of those things is perspective. Rich people think long-term, poor people think short-term. That's spiritually, financially, physically, mentally, and in all aspects of life. And so having that perspective, it's having the perspective when something bad happens. I heard this 15 years ago. How big of a deal is this going to be a week from now, a month, a year? two years, three years. If it's going to be a big deal still three years from now, then it is a big deal. Right. But if it's not even going to be a big deal a month from now or a week from now, stop making it such a big deal. And again, this goes back to the vision and perspective with everything. And the vision, you can't say that you're going to get in great shape. You're like, oh, I'm going to be in the best shape. I'm going on this cruise. I got to look good, right? I got to look good in that bathing suit or that swimsuit, right? But you go to the gym and your vision you say, I hate it. And you're like, I really don't care how I look. I don't care about my health. I don't care how I feel. Well, the vision's not going to be clear enough. You're going to go to the gym and you're going to quit. But if you have a clear enough vision, whether it's, I really want to feel good, maybe he had some heart problems. I've seen that wake people up. So it happened to John Maxwell, right? He couldn't do anything healthy. And all of a sudden had some problems with his health. And then instantly everything changed because the vision changed quickly. Obviously that's a dramatic experience. So sometimes when you don't have the dramatic experiences, you have to create them in a way that helps you to make those decisions. And so for me, that's what I always challenge with everything. And so early on days when I was building my business and not making any money, I was told this can be the most underpaid business at the beginning, but can be the most overpaid business in the end. And, and I just kept that perspective because my mentor told me, he said, look, you're going to work harder than you ever worked before. But he said, guess what's going to happen? Someday, every day is going to be a birthday. Someday, every day is going to be an anniversary. Someday, you may be the person that, like me, is what he said, I don't go to the movies at 7 p.m. on Friday because everybody's there. He's like, I go to the movies in the middle of the day when nobody's there. 
And he just gave me such perspective of really what time freedom was and making every day a holiday, if you choose. And that was a vision that he cast to me that I absorbed enough of it. And I really just consistently had to challenge my vision. The last thing I'll say on this is though, good leaders have vision, right? I'm committed, I'm do whatever it takes. You want to become a great leader, you have to learn how to give and cast that vision. Look at Steve Jobs. How great was he at just casting a vision? He had vision, but you want to become a great leader, you need to learn how to cast that vision as well. 100%. What great advice for anyone listening, regardless of their profession or occupation. Vision is so key. Before I jump into some more questions and start talking about some of your challenges in your life and advice you have for overcoming them and crushing life as you're doing in business. Can you describe for listeners what you do today? Like I know you run masterminds and I know you do a lot of different things. I've read some of your books, but can you just paint a picture of what you do, what you're all about today? So main focus is the network marketing industry for coaching and coaching. It's a lot more of a a higher end type working with a lot of leaders, whether it's six, seven and eight figure earners personally, or them coming to masterminds. A lot of times that leads into me speaking for either a, a retreat that they have or for company events or incentive trips. I just got to go to a bucket list place, flew into Seychelles and spoke there, told my wife a year ago, we're going to speak there. And she's like, how people don't do events there. I'm like, we'll figure it out. And honestly, it truly felt like luck, even though everyone says you just put it out there and work towards it. But even still, when it happened, I was like, wait, did this just happen? I can't believe this. That's your vision. That's the vision. You you had that vision a year ago. Cast that out and it happened. And so consulting for companies as well. And so a lot of it is that, of course, you know, encompassed is that as podcasts and books and content. I do a bigger type event, generic event, which I'm doing this weekend, and we'll have 20 different companies there. I do speaking outside of the network marketing industry. That's happened more and more recently, doing one in, in two weeks from now. It's been fun. My greatest fear was always public speaking, not like in a normal fear, like people talk about, like so bad that it was taboo to say no to your church leader if he asked you. And I said no all the way until 19 years old. And I said, you could call me up from the pulpit and I will walk out. He said, well, could you even just say a couple words, speak for 30 seconds? No. I was the kid even when I was younger and you recite like a line or word wouldn't do it. So first time I ever did it was 19 years old. So it was an extreme fear, but I stair-stepped my way into it of having success in you know, with teams and starting to do a little bit there. And my vision was so big that even though my fears on a scale one to 10 were nine, my vision was a 10 on what I wanted to provide with time freedom for my family. So there were often times that my fears beat out my dreams, but overall my dreams beat out my fears. And that's important to understand. Your fears will beat out your dreams sometimes, but overall the battle was won with my dreams over my fears. And it was a constant battle. It was neck and neck could have gone either way many times. I can relate with that so much, Rob. And that is just solid gold, what you're dropping for our listeners. I couldn't agree more. And it's a perfect segue into me asking you for all the listeners that are out there going, well, yeah, that's great. Rob gets paid $30,000 an hour to speak and he's got books and he's got masterminds and he's got all that. Must be nice. You know, must have been an easy ride to the top. I mean, you don't understand. I've got this challenge and that challenge and this and the other. And that was kind of the heartbeat behind this podcast to really encourage people and build people up that, hey, life is hard, but you can succeed anyway. And we've got example after example to show that you being I know exception, unless maybe you're an anomaly. I don't know. Have you had any challenges on the way to where you're at today? Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, I felt like growing up, I had the there's no such thing as perfect, but I felt like I had the perfect parents like is uplifting and is like, go chase your dreams and supporting me and building me up and, you know, doing tennis. Let's go invest our money into tennis. We're not going to buy a bigger house or nicer car and had incredible siblings. And, you know, it was honestly, there's no such thing as perfect life, but I felt like I had the best environment you can have and I won't ever sugarcoat that. When I was 16 years old, my brother was 14, my sister was 12, my littlest brother was 10, and my parents had moved their business from California to Utah because we had moved there. And so they would drive back and forth just delivering shipments because their business was a screen printing and embroidery business. So they would deliver you know, the clothing, the merchandise, and this big, white, skinny cargo van, no seats in it. 
So my dad does the drive. It's, you know, 10 plus hours there, 10 plus hours way back, gets home Valentine's day, 1997 and says, I got to sleep, you know? So he sleeps. He's like, we're going to leave a little bit later because you guys have a tennis tournament. Mom's going to stay back. She's going to work the business and we've got some more stuff to deliver to California. So we get in the car and we hit about Vegas and Utah to Vegas. You've driven just over five hours, five and a half hours or so. My dad's exhausted, obviously, right? He's like, Rob, you want to drive? And in some ways you could say like self-consumed 16-year-old, but in other ways, it's really late. I mean, it's close to midnight and I get a tennis tournament the next morning. And so it's it's also, you know, look at it that way. And it's like, well, you know, of course you're going to sleep. Well, to put it in perspective, this van, I said earlier, has no seats. Right. So my youngest brother's in the front seat. I'm laid out in a sleeping bag. My sister's laid out in a sleeping bag. My other brother, 16, 14, 12, laid out in sleeping bags. And then their half's just filled with boxes all the way to the top with clothing. So my dad's exhausted. He drives for another hour or so, misses the rest stop. He's like, ah, that's all right. There's another rest stop. Well, he fell asleep at the wheel. And all of a sudden, I wake up and I hear this. And he wakes up and he's startled and just yanks the wheel the other side of the road. So now he's going off, veering off to the right side of the road. And you hear it again. And then he yanks the wheel again to try to get back on the road. And the van ends up rolling nine to 11 times going 80 miles per hour. I was dead asleep to instantly feeling like this is the end. It was so painful. Oh yeah. And once the car stopped rolling, he says to all of us, he's like, starts with me. You okay, Rob? Yeah. Mike, are you okay? Yeah, dad, I'm okay. Tiff, are you okay? My back is killing. Hurts so bad. Danny, are you okay? Can't find Danny. So we start sifting through the sleeping bags. The van's on his side. We sift through all the boxes, sleeping bags, everything. Like he's got to be in here. My dad kicks the windshield open and he says, Danny's okay. He's out here, but he's okay. So time didn't really exist at that point. An RV had seen the accident. So we went in there as kids and my dad was just waiting for the ambulance to come. And he comes into this RV 10 minutes, hour later, still have no idea. At this point, you know, the accident happened around 1.32 a.m. And he's just sobbing. And he says, I killed Danny. And I just remember thinking, like, there's no way. Like, there's no way. I'm like, I could have drove, right? I'm like, this just can't even be real. Wow. And it was just one of those experiences that makes or breaks you. And for me, as crazy as this sounds, that, and it's scary to say this out loud, was the best thing that ever happened in my life. I realized how short this life is. I think about my kids and my wife dying every day. I know that sounds morbid, but for me, it gives me perspective. And it's helped me understand the importance of people and relationships, you know, being loyal to them, creating relationships. And it's given me a perspective. Now, I hope, I pray that I don't need another experience like that to teach me. But, you know, when we say hard things, like that right there set me up for anything I went through after business. I had setbacks. I had 90% of my team leave. We had a merger acquisition that I helped create. I thought it was a great thing. It was necessary and they all quit. Right. So I've had setbacks over and over and over and over in business, but that personal life experience is really, really what helped me for the rest of my life. Big time. Wow. And Danny was a little brother. He would have actually been 10, three days later. So I just say 10. Okay. And you were 16 at the time? Yeah. Wow. You know, you said it sounds morbid to think about daily. I'm trying to quote you essentially thinking about your children and your spouse being gone at some point, knowing it could be any day. Yep. I could see how someone might think that, but I do like that thought process because we know that's going to happen. We just don't know if it's today, tomorrow, or 50 years or 80 years from now. And to make every day count, I think that's a great perspective. So certainly you haven't had a life of roses going through this. And and you said losing 90% of your team. I could only imagine. I've never experienced that. I have experienced loss in my family, but never 90% of my income. It's an amazing feeling sarcastically when you think like, I'm done. I got this insanely massive global business. And then you have to create a merger because the parent company is massive debt, $120 million debt. So it wasn't an option. 
Mm. the investors that were selling it. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go find someone. And I found two investors, one of which they said yes to. And they, long story short, they said they wouldn't change anything. They would let us stay as is. They did, which not their fault. They're a big company, choose to do what's best. But my teams were like, hey, this isn't what we signed up for. I don't blame them either. And so I had to decide, am I going to be a victim in the moment or am I going to be a conqueror and figure things out? And I did. And what's ironic is, again, vision. And again, you know, it's like, what is it? The quote, like, luck is when preparation and meets opportunity, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I ended up sponsoring one of the most known people in network marketing. And we did 970,000, maybe 960 was right around there, thousand in one month of new sales. I mean, that's as much as I've ever heard anybody do for a product-based type company. And it was just incredible. But I had setbacks like that oftentimes over and over again. And there were learning experiences. And each time I had to start looking internal and saying, you know what? I can blame other people. And even if it legitimately is their fault, what can I do better? What can I do better to create better retention? What can I do better to better sponsor people, to create a better culture? Like I can only control what I can control. People are going to come, people are going to go, things are going to happen. Now, obviously I didn't plan on a company having that much debt and then a merger. Those are things you feel like are uncontrollable, but you got to focus on what the controllables are. Right. So it was a tough learning lesson, but looking back, it's always the case, right? If you have the right perspective that life is hard, succeed anyway, after you almost always say that trial was the best thing that ever happened to you. Right. So knowing that now, when it happens to you, it's tough in the moment. Doesn't mean you you can't fill those moments and vent a little bit. That's fine. But listen to yourself less because the mind is protective and can be negative by nature and talk to yourself more right? Sometimes you got to be your own personal development. 100%. Where you have a negative thought, put three positive solutions in your mind, right? Or write them down. 100%. And I had to constantly be doing that over and over. I mean, my first 18 months of network marketing, I listened to over a hundred books, right? Slash listen to. Why? I wasn't strong. I was weak and scared and insecure. So I needed all the mentorship. I needed all the voices because I was so worried what everybody thought. So it was just learning lessons that set the foundation for you to be able to handle anything. Doesn't make it easy, but it makes it easier. Absolutely. Rob, just for reference, approximately what age were you when that all went down? Yeah. So 28 years old, I joined the profession. And this happened in about 2015. And so, you know, for me, it was about 36 years old. Okay. And I ask for a couple of reasons. One, just to give some perspective to you know stage of life you were in during that time, but also because I'm sure like me, your mindset and how you, as you were just referencing a minute ago, you're able to talk to yourself instead of listen to the negative voices in your head or however someone might want to communicate. Yeah. I'm going to guess it wasn't always the case, right? I'm going to guess like me, when you joined this industry, you, did you struggle with that? Was there a learning curve? Maybe we're still in the learning curve. I would say I still am. I don't do this perfect every time, but I understand the value of it now. So I'm intentional about taking thoughts captive and doing this thing that you're describing. Yeah. Were you always successful in that? Or was there a big learning curve to learning to control your thoughts? Yeah. So I think we all have certain things we're extremely strong at and things that we're extremely weak at. My weaknesses by far were any sort of public speaking, doing anything, whether it's team trainings, company trainings, any of that. My strength was my ability to communicate with other people like one-on-one. And for me, it was one of those things that I felt like as strong of a mindset as you could have going through what I went through in life, playing semi-professional tennis. That was my strength. It was very mentally tough in tennis. Right. Uh, my last year playing my senior year, I had 11 matches that went down to the third set and I won every single one. And that was my strength. And when I started network marketing, it was a whole new level, right? There's the quote, new levels, new devils. And for me, it was like, what is this? Because I wasn't used to an emotional roller coaster at all. Like, I am so chill. I'm so even kill. My highs aren't too high. My lows aren't too low. And maybe they weren't very high or low compared to most people. But to me, they were so greatly exaggerated. I'm like, what is going on? 
this is crazy. One day I'm thinking I'm going to be retired going to Bora Bora. And the next day I'm thinking I'm going to be broke selling everything, filing bankruptcy. And it was just crazy, the emotions. And so I had to constantly just practice what I had learned my entire life. But it was that entirely new level that I could have never, ever, ever imagined. And I had to do it over and over. And, and yeah, there were the times where I had to talk myself off the ledge. I mean, I crushed it my first month in network marketing. But then I went into management mode. My fifth month in the business, first month I made $15,000 doing this business part-time. My fifth month I made less than $400 for the month going full-time. I was full-time. That's panic, right? My wife's like, is this thing going to work? And I'm like, yeah. In my mind, I'm like, I got no freaking clue. What am I going to do? I got to, I got to suck it up. I got to make this thing happen or go back and tell everybody I was wrong and shouldn't have quit my job and, you know, all that stuff. And they were right. And, you know, I got all these fears that I'm battling. And so it was definitely a constant practice. And like you just said there, you're learning. John Wooden, I think is the greatest coach of all time. I love his content. I love his leadership. He was a college basketball coach. He said that you never master anything because you can always learn more. Right. The ability to learn how to learn is the greatest ability one can have. I was worried being out of the trenches building for network marketing that I would stop learning, but I am learning more now than I ever have because as a coach, I have so many high level individuals that trust me that will share all their vulnerabilities, insecurities, weaknesses. And also strengths in what's working. I'm coaching them all when I'm at these masterminds. I'm like, wow, this is good. Got to remember this, take notes on this. So I just always think about that. The ability to learn how to learn is the greatest ability one can have. And if you aren't learning something, then that's on you. I love it. I'm taking notes. That's a great one, Rob. I love it. What would you say if you could go back in time before going through, you know, the death of your brother, before going through the 90% of your team disappearing and all the other challenges that I know you haven't mentioned, you're just probably scratching the surface at 40 plus years old. What advice would you give your younger self if you could go back and do that? If I could give my younger self more advice, it would have been take more chances. I was such a recovering people pleaser. I would win for most friendly at the school and you know, I grew up as the little guy, soft-spoken, timid. I'm six one now, but, you know, when I was 14 years old, my 12-year-old brother was taller than me and my 10-year-old sister. I grew really, 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 really late. And also my personality is very, very timid. I wouldn't go over to my friend's house without my younger brother, two years younger than me. My dad had to threaten to ground me because in baseball, I wouldn't even swing the baseball bat. I was so scared. And I just look back as I really cared so much what everybody else thought that I just had this wrong perception of failure. I had to learn that failing forward is the key to success. Everybody fails, just fail forward faster. So I would tell my younger self to fail forward faster and also to really conquer the fear of judgment much sooner. Not that you're going to ever conquer it, but to really focus on stop worrying what everybody else thinks. No, it's a balance. Don't say screw the world, right? You know, there's right. people you care about for different things. But in the end, if you're doing your best, then that's all you can do and stop worrying. People are going to judge you no matter what. Think about this. They're going to judge you because you're too fat. Oh, well, he or she drinks or eats too much and they just don't work out or don't care. They're going to judge you because you're too skinny. Oh, you know, she just only eats apples for breakfast or lunch and that's it. And, you know, that's why she's in such good shape. Like, that's what people do. They're going to judge you no matter what. So get over it. Like, do your best and, Go make it happen. Love it. Is there any different advice you might give to someone else who right now listening to this podcast, let's say, is in the midst of the fire professionally, financially, they just lost 90% of their income, whatever, going through a relational challenge, whatever the case may be, any advice you'd give to them in the midst of their storm? I mean, the first thing is, is you got to take all out massive deliberate action. You can't just think your way through something. So yes, thoughts can help. Uh, anytime you have a negative thought, write down three solutions right away. That's going to get your brain trained, retrained to work for you rather than against you. So anytime a negative thought comes down, do that. So now you start focusing on solutions, things you can control rather than problems. The second thing is, is have perspective. What you just went through, what did I just share? All the crap I went through. That creates a powerful story, but only if you're willing to overcome. When people right. say your test is your testimony, your struggle is your story. Well, your struggle is only your story if you overcome. Otherwise, it's a sucky story. 
Right. And so for me now, I look at that and the one word I would always use is parlay. Every experience I have in a parlay. Team quits, someday I'm going to be able to share. I'm going to learn from this. It's going to make me better, but someday I'm going to be able to share and I'm going to be able to connect and resonate with people, right? This happens. Maybe some back office glitch or comp plan glitch or whatever it is happens in life. Everything I use is parlaying to be able to help me and help others to do more. So that gave me the vision right now, short term and long term. And then I focused on the three solutions so that I could get myself into action right? To start going in the right direction because really the definition of happiness is progress. The reason why most billionaires don't retire is they know it's no longer about the money. You can't understand that until you get to the point that money isn't an issue for you, but eventually someday, hopefully you'll get there. And that's the definition of happiness is progress. So in your business, let's say you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business, doesn't matter what type of business. And your goal is I got to get to $10,000 a month and I got to get there in eight months. Well, from month one to month two, you go from 500 to 1,000 to 1,200 to 1,400 to 1,600 to 2,000. Maybe you're not even close to where you want to be month eight, but guess what? If you consistently see progress, now you have hope and you can do it. You can make it happen. And so we're always in life, we're looking for progress. If you're someone that's 100 pounds overweight, and now you're 50 pounds overweight, you're excited, right? Because it's progress, right? Life for us emotionally is about the direction that we're headed. We greatly exaggerate for good or bad, right? Sometimes it can work for us and sometimes it works against us. We go in like the direction, right? And that's especially, that's what happened to me in network marketing. When things were going well, I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I'm going to have to work a year from now. And things were going poorly. What did I get myself into? Jeez, I've never been in debt in my life. I got to go get a loan now. I got to go get a job. I got to take responsibility, right? I didn't really take full responsibility until probably eight months in network money. I thought I was, but I wasn't. I was, everybody else got lucky, right place, right time. I didn't really look within. And some people did get lucky. So what? Don't begrudge them for it. It's nothing you can control. So what changed there at eight months? You just owned it? I mean, is that, was that the big difference? You just Yeah, it? it's just got to the point of, I'd heard it over and over again, right? But at some point I was just like, you know what? Let's go take ownership and let's take responsibility because it's so much more empowering. Even if there are some realities and facts to things that happen to you, how is it going to serve you or help you? When 90% of my team quits, it's true, right? They quit. It's true. Things that we didn't think were possible could happen. We didn't know the company had the debt. We didn't know they were going to get rid of the entire name and brand and many of the products. That's true. But so what? The world doesn't care. That can sound brutal and rude, but I thought, you know what? I want to go make a difference. I want to provide for my wife and my family and be able to, to go make that huge difference. And so what can I control? What am I going to do about it? Am I going to quit? Am I going to switch companies? Am I going to go crush it? Make a decision. And then after that, once you've committed, go make it happen. Because the number one cause of failure, I believe, is indecision. Think about it even for sports. I'm not a great golfer. Yeah. But if you're going to go putt and you're not sure if you should be hitting at six feet and you're hitting a little to the right or not, well, you got no chance. And that's the same thing for sports. It's the same thing for life. And you think about the word decide, the second part of the word decide, C-I-D-E stands for to kill. You're killing the option. Suicide, pesticide, homicide, C-I-D-E, right? Well, decide, you're killing the option. You've made the choice. And when you commit, you give yourself a chance because in large part, the level of commitment that you have will determine your level of success. So it no longer becomes a question of if, it's a question of when. Now that's the part of the fear of the unknown that that sucks, right? Because, right. you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur, it's not like doctor X amount of years, then I could be making this. You're like, I don't know, is it gonna be six months, two years, Alan, three years, five? And people freak out because they don't, it's hard. It was, it was hard for me not knowing. Wow. That's so good, Rob. Commitment. It's key. I mean, can't get in a batter's box in baseball and not be committed and stand any chance of hitting that ball. I know as a former baseball player, and I see it time and time again in our business. And this goes for anything, any business, anything, as you start off saying worth doing in a marriage. I mean, none of these things that are easy. Do you step in at one toe in one toe out and I'll see how it goes. I can predict how it goes. It doesn't go well. I mean, you've been married 30 years and I guarantee you've had some crazy fights and some of those fights, you probably can't even remember what you were fighting about. That's what's hilarious, right? I've been married 
this August 20 years. And my wife and I, we knew we were realistic when we got married. We both have strong personalities. And we're like, look, we got a lot of the same values. But we have strong personalities. We're going to have those disagreements. But our rule was when we got married was we're committed to each other. We're never going to threaten with the D word divorce ever. You can Same be pissed here. at me. You can hate me. You can want me out of the house for a day, right? And say, get away from me, whatever. But we're not going to go there because we know we're committed. And yeah, we still have those little things we disagree about every so often, a bigger thing, right? A lot of it's communication or misunderstandings or miscommunications with those. But in the end, it still always comes back to the root. And the root is, is we both know that we're committed to each other, which I understand takes two. So some of you may feel like, well, I'm doing that, but my significant other is, I understand that we're not going there, but it's a principle to understand for all areas of life. And I had a mentor that's made over a hundred million dollars. And he said, Rob, what does it take to be successful? And I gave him all these answers. I thought they were pretty good, but he said no to all of them. I don't remember what I said, but I thought they were pretty good. I'm sure they were. They could work too, but they weren't the same. And he says, it's going to sound so stupid, simple. When you hear it, you're going to laugh, but it will make sense. And he said, I learned this as a boy and it's helped me my entire life. He said, it's this simple. Do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And it will change everything. And of course, he went on after he's like, it will create so much credibility with other people, but also with yourself. Right. And I thought about it. When I tell someone I'm going to do something, they know I'm going to do it. I know I'm going to do it. So it's almost offensive if they ask, like, yeah, I said, I'm going to do it. It's done. It's happening. And so that right there alone, if you say you're going to go work out tomorrow and you commit to it and then you don't, even though that's a small withdrawal, eventually enough withdrawals in different areas of your life, you're empty on trust and credibility with yourself. And if you don't trust yourself, why should anyone else trust you? Because that's how the world works. Everything works around trust. Right. hundred percent. I'm glad you brought that back to self because you're right. We make a commitment to ourself and we need to do what we said we're going to do when we said we we're going to do it so that we build our own self-confidence that we can do what we say we're going to do the next time. And that confidence builds upon itself. I love that. What would you say is a, one of your favorite, if you have one, a favorite success quote for entrepreneurs? Ooh, that's a really good one. One of the things that really helped me that was that quote that I kind of heard different bits and pieces and I kind of came up with on my own, like summed it up. Of Sometimes, you know, it's like your interpretation is the rich people think long-term, poor people think short-term, spiritually, financially, physically, mentally, and in all aspects of life. That really just helped me really push forward through extremely just tough times and tough moments. I love that one. That's a great one. What would you say has been one of the habits, probably a daily habit, but a habit that has helped you in your success as an entrepreneur or your success in anything in life for that matter. So I haven't missed one day of personal development in 15 years. It sounds impressive in some ways it is in some ways it's not as impressive as you think. And so for me, I do a whole session that it's got a lot of other things and it's like an hour and a half training, but part of the training is I create three different sets of goals because most people set goals. And I think it's 8% of Americans actually fulfill with their new year's resolutions with any of them. And so for me, what I do is, is I have with any goal I set, so let's say personal development is an example, because you just, you know, ask what helped. My first goal is I do a minimum non-negotiable. And that is supposed to be so low that on your worst day, you can do it. So for me, even if I just go read personal development for 10 seconds, it counts. Love it. Why? Because I want to create a win streak. Why? Because win streaks change your identity. You're the person that says you can't go to the gym or you don't go to the gym or you're not consistent. Well, if I create a goal for you to go twice a week to work out and maybe your minimum is just minimum, 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 it's just 10 minutes. Then all of a sudden, if 10 weeks later, someone comes to you and says, hey, do you ever go to the gym? Yep. 10 straight weeks, your identity has changed. Identity is the hardest part to change. Then there's standard goals. And that would just be a regular goal. So for me, personal development, my goal is to do an hour every single day. That's what I strive to. So I have minimum, a baseline standard. And then I believe you need all three of these to have success. And the third one is a blitz. You got to go all out in a blitz or a sprint where you're just going crazy on something. 
And there's different variations depending on the goal. It could be once a month. It could be a couple of days a month. It could be once a quarter. There's different variations for setting that up depending on what type of goal you have. But you combine those three, then any of those really important habits that you have, they're going to not only keep you on track for life, business, everything, they're going to get you ahead. What a confidence builder to stay on a streak and know you're being consistent, even if it is, as you said, that minimum that you're hitting on those days when that's all you can get in. So for personal development, I know that you apply this to a lot more than personal development, but for that and your 15 year streak, I think you said, what is your minimum to get in? My minimum is honestly, just do it. Even if I just do it for 10 seconds. Yes. I'm traveling on the road and let's say I get in and it's really late and I'm exhausted. I'm like, no matter what, I am not missing. And, and I've done this in, in all areas of my life. I mean, I think some sort of prayer I haven't missed in 15 years, some sort of spiritual reading I've missed only one day in 15 years, working out, missing an entire week of working out. I have not missed in 15 years. You know, I don't miss date night. Even if I have to do it on a weekday, like last night we went because I got my event this weekend and, and we went to dinner. I create these things to really just protect my priorities. So I don't lose sight of, of what's the most important things, right? Priorities in my life. And then I'll create those three different sets, minimum standard and blitzes around all of those. Like I've got a huge whiteboard here that's listed everything for my next book. And it's this stuff we're talking about. And I have all of the priorities in order. It's like this castle and it's got God, wife, family, right? slash friends, health, business, church, hobbies. And so I have all of those. And then I create my minimums, my standards, and my places for all of those. I love it, Raul. That's good stuff. And I love the priorities that you just kind of quoted there too, of how you prioritize your list. And business was number five, I think, on your list, if I caught that fast enough. They're all important, but it's, it's yep, it's five. Yep, I love it. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you received? Any advice that I receive is always for me, it's like mindset and it's perspective. And it depends on which business. But when I started out in this particular profession, network marketing, a mentor just told me this would be the most underpaid business in the beginning and the most overpaid business in the end. And that is the perspective that I needed. And that goes back to the vision that I needed to be able to get me through the tough times. The other one, which I heard from Phil Jackson, and then I heard from, you know, many others was along the lines of emotional fortitude, right? And we talked a little bit at this at the beginning, but when things are going well, they're typically not as good as you think they are. And when they're going poorly, they're typically not as bad as you think they are. Right. And so having that perspective as well was incredible advice to give me that emotional fortitude. Love it. What would you say is one book that you'd recommend knowing the premise of this whole podcast, Life's Hard, Succeed Anyway? what would be one book you may recommend to our listeners? I mean, we just talked about habits. Atomic Habits, I think, is the new all-time classic that if you all have not read that, you should. Another book that I love, it's called Your Future Self by Benjamin Hardy. And that one is a newer one. It's absolutely just incredible. I mean, it goes along so many things we think about and he just encompasses them really well. And I actually, my book called The Game of Conquering is the one where I do give that experience that I talked to my little brother at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I go through, are you a victim, survivor, conquer? And I go through all the five main fears that people have and real life examples, vulnerabilities, insecurities I have that no one knew in my entire family and also business ones. And so it's a really simple read, but can help in, in all areas of one's life. Love it. What would you say, and this is a big question, Rob, I don't know if it's a challenging one to answer or super straightforward and simple for you, but it's a big question. What would you say is your definition of success? Progress. That's a simple answer. I like it. And why do you say that? I guess just going back to what you said earlier about progress. Because, I mean, how do you define it? I mean, it's like you look in the Bible and the parable of talents, right? And that's the most simple explanation. If someone's talent is a seven and they're fulfilling at a five, whereas you know someone else is at a two and they're fulfilling at a three, if we're just looking at results, then the five crushed the three. But no, who's fulfilling to their abilities? 
And so every area of your life, think you're just happy when you're progressing. It's all about progress in anything. And so, yes, money can be a representation of progress in your business. And there's different representations or currencies for different areas of our life that represent it. And so I'm obsessed with trying to always look for progress in anything and everything that I do, because I understand that. And that's what we're all looking for. About 12 episodes ago, 12 weeks ago, I did a solo episode on seven Bible-based success principles. And I forget which number it was, number five, I believe, of seven was that Matthew 25 passage, the parable of the talents and making sure we are making good use of our talents and progress is, as you said so well, that's what that's all about is moving the ball down the field and not taking our one talent and burying it in the ground and making zero progress like the one guy did in that parable. I love that. What would you say excites you about the future when you think about it now, Rob? It's maybe something you're working on. I mean, I know you mentioned you're writing a book. I know you got a lot of things going on. What Two things. The two things that excite me the most is one, this, this book, because it won't be specific to any niche. It'll be basically taking all of my greatest hits, the things that people have connected and resonated with the most, the things I'm most passionate about and putting them all together. And so it's, it's a lot harder than the last several books. It's a lot more challenging, but it's also a lot more exciting. Like I find myself looking for stories and content and better explanations on everything. And so that's really exciting. What's the name of that book? Or have you put that out? I don't even know yet. Okay. I got it all up here written out and I, I probably... I've got a rough, rough, rough draft done that I'd say it's probably 70% done because it needs to consistently be reworked right now. And then the second thing I'm most passionately excited about for the future is today, a year ago, I started doing mastermind sessions for my son. And then my daughter said she was joining. She's very ambitious. I loved it. My son was a junior in high school and my daughter was a freshman. I just heard a lot of the conversations the kids were having of what are we going to do? Or we hate school. Or one kid said, I don't have the connections like you to my son. And so I'm never going to be rich, like just limiting beliefs and things. And it just crushed me. And I'd been wanting to do something for my son and his friends just to really help give them direction and guidance. And I always thought I want to do a principal. And I'm not going to tell them they should do school. I'm not going to tell them they shouldn't do school. I'm going to teach them the value of principles of discipline and what you can learn from anything and everything. And so I started that out and now we've done, I believe, 19. We've had four or five people that have companies evaluated over a hundred million dollars and just great human beings, which is more important to me. Each one has talked about the money and brought in like these insane cars and these kids are like, what? And then every time they talk about how it's not about the money. And it's not a self-limiting belief of don't make the money. Yeah, go make the money because you can do so much good and you can have time freedom and you can do humanitarian and that stuff. But it's just fascinating. None of these speakers have hurt each other and the overlapping concepts and principles they've taught have been empowering. I mean, some of these things these kids have accomplished and overcome, you know, certain kids that have had suicidal thoughts and have been open and, and had breakthroughs. Other kids doing sales and starting little businesses and It's just been super interesting. So none of them are on their phone. Like the last speaker spoke for an hour and 45 minutes. His company will do 400 million this year. No one was on their phone at all. Not even for one minute. They're all taking notes. Love it. it. They all send me all their takeaways after. Most of them now listen to personal development. They ask me when the next one is. They hate it when they have to miss. Hate it. I mean, they're so mad when they have to miss. And now I get 50 to 100 messages every time I do one and So it's given me a lot of ideas of maybe doing a big event and other things, but, you know, I didn't start out that way. So for me, it's like, I just wanted to take care of my kids, but I know there's a big need for it. And so, um, I don't know, that's something I'm excited and passionate about, but I still don't know where or what it will lead to. I just know that I love it and I know that it's making a difference and it's been fun to see. That is awesome. Before we wrap this up, how can our listeners connect with you, Rob, and follow along on your journey? Yeah, you can always go find me on Wonderful World of Social Media, Facebook or Instagram, just my first and last name, Rob Sperry, S-P-E-R-R-Y, Sperry like the the shoe, 
I'm not related to. I still have dreams that someday I'll find out that there's some inheritance of a distant relative. That's like a dream, dream, dream. But those are the two main best places to find me where I'm the most active. And you also have a podcast as well. Podcasts, Network Marketing Breakthroughs with Rob Sperry. And looking forward to having that conversation with you over there as well. And I want to give you any closing comment that you might want to share with our Life's Hard Succeed Anyway listeners. This has been awesome so far. I really appreciated your time. Yeah. I mean, I love podcast listeners because they are more serious. They usually tune into the whole thing. I would just say that sometimes a lot of really good content can be overwhelming. And so anytime you listen to any episode, have a separate stash of notes. So have your main notes if you ever take notes and ideas come, but have a separate stash of notes. Call it what you want. Call it your executables. Call it your priority list, your implementation list. These are things you want to actually implement. And so you got your ideas that are nice and you can reference, but then you have your things that you actually want to make changes in your life. And that'll help you to increase that ability to learn how to learn and get you to become an action taker. Solid gold, Rob. Thank you so much again for your time. I appreciate you taking time to share with our listeners. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me, Alan. I appreciate it. And that's it for this week's episode. I hope you got something out of this one that will help you level up your capabilities, your mindset, and your life. If you did, can I ask you to share it with others? Here's how. Either leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify, hit us with a five-star rating if you feel it's deserving, or share it on your social media and please tag me. My social media links are in the show notes below this episode. That's the best way to get this work into the hands of others who can also benefit from what we're doing here. Until next time, friends, use your adversity to create your opportunity. Life's hard. Succeed anyway.